John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. accessed entry 761.LV1120, certificate number 30979, marmorated stink bugs. You have to really be ready for it because uh, with that needle mouth part that just pierces through the skin, when you lose 90% of your nectarines because of all the little pierce marks or eating marks, and then apples losing 50% of the crop. Um, you won't be in business long if you let that happen all the time. I don't want to see that again on my farm. Have you got any entomological interest? Were you somebody that ever made a board where you pinned bugs to it? I'm into etymology. Uh-huh. You're into entomology. I'm not really. I'm an etymologist also. Uh, I had to do it for sixth grade. I had to make a panel of... Have we talked Beatles? about this? I on think the show? we did. Yeah, th- like, uh, and it was all Korean bugs because right. that's where we were living. My brother was the kid with the bug book, always looking at the big bugs, and I was always kind of grossed out by them. Looking at the book, he was yes. looking at the bugs, and you were like, "What a nice book! Is that a <laughs> that binding?" <laughs> I liked the book, but bugs in close up to me are not attractive. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I know this is not a personal ad, but right. Don't send Ken. I, I swipe left on. Don't, <laughs> don't send on Ken a picture of yourself covered in bugs. You know there are so many kinds of bugs and insects that. Uh, how, how many are there? How many would you say there are? Oh, are there twenty? There are an uncountable number of bugs and insects. So much so that people routinely discover new bugs all the time. Like while we've been doing this intro. Three new bugs have been They're discovered. They're just bugs. Somebody like picked up a bug and was like, what kind of bug is this? And even though they're tiny, they are like most of the biomass of Earth, right? Insects make up... We keep hearing that. Do they really make up more Earth than plant? Plant life? No, you're right, of course. If we include plants, right. that's the bulk of it. But of animal biomass, insects outweigh humans by a factor of 17. Wow. Oh, uh, outweigh humans, but not mammals. No, but uh, arthropods are about half of the weight of all animal life on Earth. If I gave you some mystery meat that I've made from some random animal or all random animals in proportion, Mm -hmm. half of it is insect meat. Wow. Insect meat. (laughs) The the delicious half. (laughs) Have you ever eaten insects? They sell them at the stadium now. You can go to a Seattle Mariners game and get crickets on your uh, what? Corn dog? Yes. 
crickets, uh, like fried crickets, not chocolate covered insects. I think they might have both. Have you? Because I've always shied away from eating insects. I know that if we were willing to eat larva or uh, whatever, like mealworms, that they're very good for you and, and we Be- could- Better for the earth? Yeah, we could stop harvesting cows and just eat mealworm burgers. But I've always, when the opportunity has presented itself, I have said, no, thank you. It's, uh, I've never actually had the opportunity. I think maybe I had a chocolate covered one once and I did say, no, thank you. The ones at the stadium are actually just grasshoppers that are toasted in chili lime salt. So it's not a topping for anything. You're, you just have a cup and you're eating grasshoppers out of it. Yeah. Like, like your jab of the hut or something. I mean, I, there's part of me that feels like eating shrimp or lobster or crab. Exactly. Are just, they're just giant bugs. Crustaceans are arthropods. They've got the same exoskeleton. I wonder if the meat even tastes. I don't know. I don't feel like there's a, there's a land bug that's big enough to really have what you would call meat. To suck out like the claws, like a, like a crab leg. Not really. But a bug is. So basically what you want is bigger insects so that you can suck out the, so you can dip uh, them in drawn butter. I'm hoping that there would be land insects and flying insects the size of Alaska king crabs. Well, maybe if we survive <laughs> the, the, the decimation, the doomsday device, yeah. there will be giant mutant insects that we can enjoy. There's a lot to be said for an exoskeleton as opposed to an, an endoskeleton. Oh, you will never hear me say a hard word against exoskeletons. Yeah, right. Well, what, what's the downside? Nothing. What is the downside? You're, well, you're, when you move around, you're kind of creaky. You're hard to hug, <laughs> you're, right? I mean, it's hard to sneak up on people. Yeah, well, that's true. You're clackety, always rustling clackety. and clacking. If you think about what was the there, there have been several movies where the UFOs or UFOs were exoskeletonic, like the aliens inside the UFOs. Like, yeah, the I mean, UFO is a general term to refer to both the flying object and the inhabitants of the flying Which object. Which is unusual in language. There's really no word that means both a train and a train passenger, for example. It's, right. It's weird that well, to you... you know, UFO is an evolving term. <laughs> uh, because, you know, if we think of the aliens, it's hard to, hard to know whether they are objects or... I mean, I guess we call them beings... At first glance, you might not know which is the ship and which is the resident. Yeah, that's right. And but they, they know. They're they, also flying. They could explain it. They could play a series of musical tones that explain to us the difference, and then you could use the correct nomenclature. Well, and they might feel that calling them UFOs is dismissive, but until they reveal themselves and their preferences. Yeah. I mean, it could be very offensive. Our, <laughs> you know, people on our Facebook page are mad that I don't give you more bells for your comedic styling. But you're rolling out the, but every once in a while, you're, you're, I, you're rolling out angry tea kettle. I do have to acknowledge it, but yeah, it's like a locomotive that's struggling up a hill. You could just <laughs> ignore it. They like it when you ignore it because they think it means you missed it. That's right. There's a lot of threads where they're like, well, John really missed that time that Ken made a slightly blue reference that would. And you don't like the implication I'm that like, I, I'm just making these amazing I, jokes that you're missing. I got you the just dumb dislike joke. Them. I just. Just let it drop on the floor and flop around like a goldfish. I just didn't want to talk about it. Mm. Uh, You know the difference between bugs and, you know that bugs are a subset of insects, but they're not synonymous with insects. There are true bugs, which are a kind of insect. And I don't know if I could tell you what what are the markers of a true bug. So a bug has a proboscis. A bug feeds through a proboscis that it... Uh, it has it, one proboscis or two proboscis? 
Uh, well, bugs have proboscis. A bug has a proboscis, which it penetrates plants and then sucks the juices out. So it actually is like a, a an elephant trunk? Yeah, it's like, trunk. A, like a nose. It's not just something it can poke with and then it's got some part below the nose to chew with. No, for instance, a caterpillar has a chewing mouth. A caterpillar goes munch, 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 nice. kind of like we do. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. But a bug... A bug sticks its little needle nose in and and then injects its saliva and kind of, you know, liquefies the plant matter and then sucks it up. Yuck. Yeah, yuck. Sorry, no offense, listeners. Sorry, that's right. If you are enjoying this show through vibrations communicated through your proboscis. They probably think you and I just eating a piece of pumpkin pie with little pieces of bone in a hole under our nose is really gross. Pretty gross. But it was good to us. We did just have a piece of pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie, as my mom would say, and let me... Note for the record, that was the first food I have ever offered you in this house where you accepted, other than your Chex Mix party mix that you that you munched on for weeks it's and weeks. It's still here, by the way. Yeah, how I come was, you don't? I was just watching some period set movie or TV show. What was it? And they were trying to make it look old-timey, and so when the person walked into the convenience store, there was a big rack of Utz snack mix, <laughs> presumably because the logo has not changed in 50 years. Right. And it's exactly what old people would eat, including you. Like, what was I watching? I don't even know. But I said, I said earlier, would you like a piece of pumpkin pie? And you said, no, thank you. But then later on in the afternoon, I said, how about a piece of pumpkin pie? And you said, yes. And you cannot use as evidence that I'm changeable like the wind because you something, have a plan. something happened. Yeah. That's I right. had a plan. It was 1 p.m. Yes. I try to like not eat for 16 hours in a row. And then we cross the, your your food threshold. And then I eat for eight hours continuously. I'm like yes. some kind of, and I, <laughs> I poked my nose into your, yes. into your Safeway pumpkin pie and I kind of snuffled it around and <laughs> snorted it in. You're like a marmorated stink bug in I'm, that respect. I'm a marmorated pie eater. My favorite thing about it was when, when you pulled the pie out of the fridge. First of all, we went into the fridge and you took the liberty of going in and pulling the pie out. You didn't wait. I'm helping. I'm a a helper. And then you took the lid off and you were like, is this slice of missing pie here, does it represent one or two slices? And I said, one. And you were like, thank God. My little face lit up. (laughs) There was like a 30 degree arc of pie missing. Maybe a little, probably 30, 30 degree. 30 degree arc of pie. And to me, that's a a good slice of pie. But what if you're one of these people that's going to serve me a little sliver of pie? I I don't want to be rude and take two. Did you really think that I would offer you a sliver of pie? I mean, just everything you know about me. It didn't seem likely. But you are right about a uh, marmorated stink bug in terms of it. uh, I am. In the way that it feeds. Uh, with a proboscis. And it also, a marmorated stink bug is extremely omnivorous for a bug and probably would eat, well, would eat pumpkins and maybe pumpkin pie if you left it out. I learned a new word. They're extremely polyphagous. Polyphagous. Which just means they can feed on various kinds of food. Right. So omnivorous, I guess. Maybe it's not, maybe omnivorous means It'll eat literally everything. Right. And I don't think a marmorated stink bug will eat another marmorated stink bug, but it will eat almost every kind of plant life. And this is one of the things that makes it so versatile and also so uh, devastating. And I guess this is not something I had really thought about much. I kind of thought that picky eaters were the rarity, a panda that'll only eat bamboo, um, my daughter that will only eat vegan chicken tenders. I kind of thought that was the odd species out. But, but really, m- most species specialize. They do. They want to eat certain things, right? I mean, a mountain lion will not um, eat. eat corn. <laughs> 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 I'm, 
Let me hear a record title. A mountain lion will not eat corn. That sounds like a modest mouse record. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a complete sentence. Yeah. Uh, but w- do we know the reason? I mean, obviously, a mountain lion is not going to get the uh, nutrients it needs from corn. But when you're right. thinking about some kind of little beetle that will eat an ash tree but not a beech tree, what's its deal? Is yeah. It, is it just how, how it happened to evolve? This is one of the entomology questions. I feel like they're probably, probably it's saliva dissolves things differently and it needs different components of sugar and salt and mescaline or whatever it is that bugs are trying to get out of food. They're just in it for the mescaline. I wonder if it is just like a picky human eater where, you know, you could be like, go try the beech tree. No, you just need to take five bites of the beech tree. And then, you know, and if you could really trick one of these bugs into eating a different kind of leaf, eventually it would be like, no, you know, this is Well, it's just like, fine. just like Darwin observed with uh, finches. I think that probably the, the, um, the beak, you know, the proboscis is specialized to penetrate certain kinds of skin. Yeah, it could be texture. You know, yeah. they're, uh, in order to get into the sweet part of corn, you have to have a whole bunch of different stratagem. Or to, a can opener. Well, to get into an ear of corn. Oh, I see. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, sh- corn, corn to me does not come in ears. In right. the summer it does. It's a natural thing. It doesn't just come in cans, uh, even though here in our bunker we think of it as a canned food. <laughs> I'm always trying to make my kids more polyphagous, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. just try it. Just try it. Katie, you're a vegetarian. Try a vegetable. Yeah, you need to eat this. You need to learn to like this vegetable. And right. she'll be like, but I don't like cucumbers. Or I'll be like, well, eat this fish. You know, you, you say you eat fish, but you don't actually eat fish. Well, I don't like it. Right. All I I like is chicken made of soy. (laughs) But it turns out that uh, by making a species polyphagous, maybe you're endangering the earth because that's what's happened with the marmorated uh, stink bug. Well, let me explain the marmorated stink bug. Well, first of all, who marmorated it and why? Well, it was marmorated uh, ages and ages hence. Time immemorial? Yeah. Uh, it was I think mar- hence means later, by the way. Um, yeah, that's right. It does. We have a it go. Was- we have a go for the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying it will be remarmorated in, in ages and ages hence? I was making like a Robert Frost uh, reference, but I was going in the wrong direction. As is so often the case when I make Robert Frost. Well, Robert Frost did go in the wrong direction. He did. There was a nice path and he was like, nope, no, I'm taking the other one. That's right. And th- it's kind th- of the most famous thing about he, it. He took the other just as fair. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why there is no sun up in the sky. Stormy weather. Uh, no, the marmorated stink bug uh, was marmorated years and years ago in Asia. Uh, the marmorated stink bug is native to China and Japan and Korea. And it was marmorated before we were keeping records on how stink bugs were colored. I looked up marmorated. Did you look up marmorated? Uh, no. What is marmorated? It just means like marble. It means marbled. Marble. Yeah. Like the yeah. sea of Marmara between the Aegean Sea and the Black Sea was named for the marble that was quarried on its islands. And there it is. But you, I've seen a marmorated stink bug and they are not particularly marbled. If anything, they're maybe blotchy. Yeah, I it think... It seems a little generous. It seems like they're kissing up to the stink bug for unknown reasons. I think mottled is the word they were looking for. It's a mottled bug, but... It's brown. Entomologists have a lot of... Because bugs, they need to identify bugs often that are very similar looking to one another. And so entomologists have a much more detailed color palette. They have 700 words for brown. They go to Home Depot and they're like, this isn't brown. (laughs) This is uh, chocolate embers. Yeah, it's mochaccino. Um, So marmorated stink bug, they're just trying to describe how it is different from other stink bugs, of which there are 
numerous sorts. And one of the ways you can tell a marmorated stink bug is that it's, or one of the only ways, is that its antenna have stripes. So it has light stripes along its antenna. I love the light stripes, but when I found out they weren't brother and sister, I was very angry. Oh, I was kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, because that's an interesting cosplay, right? Like, let's pretend we're brother and sister. That's what it me, seems. It's pretty hot. Yeah. If I, if me and my wife ever break up, I think that's what we'll do. We'll start <laughs> a rock duo where we pretend we were siblings, <laughs> sexy siblings, sexy siblings. I mean, that's a whole subset of what uh, what you'll find on the internet these days. Sexy siblings. I just assume every rock duo is actually sexy siblings, like uh, Annie Lennox and the other guy. Yeah. George Michael and the other guy. Uh, I forget his name. Adam Ridgely. <laughs> uh, <got> Adam <laughs> Ridgely. That's right. Um, well, you know, the fiery furnaces are a brother sister duo. But not sexy, I hope. Uh, well, well, individually. I always, I, I always found Eleanor, Eleanor Friedberger fairly uh, sexy, attractive. What about Daft Punk? Sexy siblings? Oh, really hard to tell, right? One of them's taller than the other. They have exoskeletons. <laughs> <laughs> hard to see a downside. Uh, the marmorated stink bug also has stripes, dark stripes along its abdomen. And it's shaped there. It's, it's like on its back, on its on back, its carapace? But, but on the, on the sides of its mm. carapace, uh, a stink bug is part of a family of bugs called shield bugs because the, the backs, it looks just like a shield. It looks like a shield. It looks exactly like a little shield. And marmorated stink bugs are bigger than, you know, our native stink bugs, but that's a distinction that maybe wouldn't be apparent to most people. The thing about a marmorated stink bug is it is an alien species to Earth, to North America and Europe. It is not alien to Earth as far as we know, although it may have been brought here by UFOs. By the owls in their, in their little beaks. That's right. It could have been a long, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A ragtag fugitive fleet. A galaxy far, far away and a long, long time hence... That's right, a long, long time hence. But time is a flat circle, so it's it, the same. it could have come hence at us from is a go. any direction. Hence is a go. A mountain lion does not eat corn, and a hence is a go. A hence is a go. Do you want to hear my extremely anecdotal evidence for uh, marmorated stink bugs being alien to North America? Please. So I had never seen one my entire life. That's not, that's not unusual. Wait, I'll explain later. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I turned like uh, seven years old and my family moved overseas. Right. We moved to South Korea and we stayed in like a downtown hotel in Seoul, Korea for uh, like I think almost a month, maybe a little over a month while we were figuring, my parents were figuring out how do you rent a house in uh, East Asia without knowing what you're doing. And this is uh, all part of the legend of Ken Jennings that I've never seen independently confirmed or documented in any way. You think I would make up some Madeline like childhood where I'm <laughs> running through Korean hotel hallways? It seems like not the craziest thing I've seen you do. We were not little Madelines going nuts and running through the coffee shop. We were always kind of under lock and keep it. I think there were five of us in like, I think we were in one, one hotel, hotel room. room. Wow. So it was a nightmare for my parents. We were bouncing off the walls. And we were Oh, and also you couldn't really just go out in the streets and run and play because you're in Korea. It's a whole new whole new game, right? Well, I mean, my parents could take us someplace, right? right. But they were not eager to have their seven-year-old and five-year-old and, and two-year-old running around <laughs> the streets of the Seoul megalopolis. Um, we would go to the little palace across the street, I remember. Mm -hmm. um, but like I think on like the first couple days in this hotel, my brother, who loved bugs, caught a bug. I think it was maybe outside the window. We were high up. We were on the 
I don't know, 10th floor. Right. And he could, he opened up the window and grabbed this bug. And I now know, you know, brown shield-shaped bug none of us had ever seen before. My dad, who had lived in Korea before, was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a stink bug. It's a kind of stink bug. And we had never heard of stink bugs, but we were delighted by the idea that it was a, a it's a bug and B, it might stink at <laughs> yeah. some point. Like we're, we're sniffing it, seeing if it'll stink. Um, but this was some bug we had never seen before. And I now see them everywhere. Yes. Not just in Korean hotels, but in American fields and streams and suburbs and houses. And I did not know the story. Do you spend a lot of time in American fields and streams? More in the fields and in the streams. Yeah. Here's what I don't like about the streams. And I'll walk you through this. Yes. They're a little wet. Okay. And cold. Yes. Hard to get down to. So if you're up in the field, your feet are dry. Yes. If you walk in the stream, Sometimes. they might be wet. Sure. You look down into the stream and you see marmorated stink bugs right and left. But they are out in the countryside, right? Yeah. That's the problem. These things can live anywhere. They're not just polyphagous. They're poly... Uh, Homeless? Polyamorous, right. No, polyamorous, <laughs> like that Funk. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout well uh so marmorated stink bugs did not come to the united states by sexual adventure like a lot of... I came to the United States by sexual adventure. It was, it was just not mine. <laughs> uh, they came to America like most invasive species as hitchhikers. Oh. But they're, it's astonishing, their story, because they are very, very recent hitchhikers. The first documented sighting of a marmorated stink bug in the United States was in 1998. No so kidding. 20 years ago. 20, so, so when I saw mine in Seoul, it was still 15 years away yep. from arriving on these shores. They're throughout Southeast Asia, but one of them arrived, and the speculation is, on some shipping pallet. They're very hardy insects, mm -hmm. and there would have needed to have been two marmorated sink bugs or on that shipping pallet. Or one pregnant one. One pregnant one. Or, or probably what would have happened is a bug laid a bunch of eggs, a female Marmorated stink bug can lay up to 400 eggs in her lifetime. So she could have deposited eggs in a shipping container, or maybe a bunch of them did before that container was shipped. And then the bugs arrived on our shores. And the marmorated stink bug did not have natural predators here. Uh, where in Asia... It had predators? What, what eats stink bugs? The number one predator of the marmorated stink bug is a kind of parasitic wasp. Um, its scientific name is the Trisolius japonicus. 
and it's uh, commonly known as the samurai wasp. Whoa, that's pretty badass. It is badass, although the wasp, it's a kind of a hardcore name, samurai wasp, but it's not a wasp with a stinger. It's actually kind of a mild-mannered wasp. It like burrows into them or something? Well, what it does is it deposits its eggs in their eggs. So rather than when the eggs hatch. It's like a passive aggressive wasp. It is. It, the, the, I'm not going to sting you, but guess what? Guess what? Your kids are going to hate it. The wasp larva feeds on the stink bug larva and then hatches out of a stink bug egg. And the wasp itself doesn't really do any environmental damage. It just um, does this terrible thing. And, and Well, I'll a, tell you what, I'm interested now. Now that I know that there's a, an enemy that'll kill marmorated stink bugs, but does not do any environmental damage. Well, what it, I mean, the damage it could potentially can do is do this same trick to other bugs, maybe beneficial bugs. Right. Um, but the Japonicus in Asia effectively kills 90% of the stink bug larva. So stink bugs aren't really a plague there. But stink bugs, stink bugs big, and stink blugs. Do big black bugs bleed black, bleed blue blood? <laughs> How does that go? Big I've never, blue. I've never heard that. Big black bugs bleed blue blood or Blink, something. Big black bugs bleed blue blood. Yeah, tongue twisters really, your use of tongue twisters really declines when you pass eight years old. Yeah, well, and also, you know, I have a geographic tongue, so tongue twisters, my tongue. <laughs> they just is, remind you of your disability? It doesn't twist, but my tongue definitely gets very confused and then eventually gives up. All sentences are, are tongue twisters blah, to you? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Soviet. <laughs> One thing my tongue can do is make uh, L sounds, so it inserts them a lot of different ways. Everywhere. Yeah. Nuclear, nuclear. So what about the... Uh... So the marmorated stink bug arrived, and it was first captured and documented in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh, it did not cross the Pacific to the West Coast. Well, it came out of a shipping container, so it, I'm sure it arrived probably in the ports of New Jersey and immediately went on a truck and was taken to Allentown, uh, where they were closing all the factories down. That's what I hear. It's getting very hard to stay. It is. Uh, but, but not for the stink was, bugs. It was, but not for the stink bugs. It's very easy for them to stay. Uh, so they came out and found that they had... A whole new world, although I would like to point out, already settled by lots of things. It wasn't a new world. <laughs> you didn't discover Allentown, <laughs> marmorated stink bugs. But they they can feed on almost anything. They'll eat all kinds of fruits. They'll eat um, the young nut on the tree. They'll eat leaves. They'll eat... They use every part of the buffalo. They do. They, not just the buffalo, but every other species. They'll eat corn. Marmorated stink bugs will get inside the husk and eat the corn so that from the outside, when you harvest corn, you can't even tell that it's been ravaged by a marmorated stink bug until you husk it, which is pretty far down the corn processing uh, route. You like sometimes will, it might be right before you eat it. I will often just grill corn on the cob in the husk. Right. And I don't want Yeah. Maybe I've discovered stink bug eaten. Well, so what a stink bug does is it penetrates the fruit with its proboscis and sucks the juice out of it. It doesn't, you don't find, I mean, you can find bugs in the fruit, but a lot of times what you'll find is just an apple that when you cut into it has tons and tons of mealy bruises inside that are places where the bug has fed. I've also read that, um, they have kind of aggregation pheromones. Did you see this? Yeah. They to, like to, to be with one another. To signal other stink bugs to, Hey, come and eat some of this produce. So you'll actually get produce and it'll have some weird off-tasting, perfumey taste 
from the pheromone of the stink bugs being like, everybody hey. come over here. I found apples. Hey bros. Well, you know, stink bugs. Um, so stink bugs. That's not the stink. No, it, it's not the stink. That's a flowery pheromone. The stink is an odor they exude when they're, you know, to dissuade predators. If you crush a stink bug, you can smell the smell. But also if you agitate a stink bug. I have smelled the smell because I had one in my sixth grade Korean bug collection. Right. And it is, um, it's uh, variously described as smelling like coriander or cilantro, but really it's stinkier than that. It's more of a, like a... It's whatever that thing is that makes cilantro taste weird to you. Right. But in a way that also is, smells like gym socks or yeah, paper mills. Paper mills. It's kind of a, uh, like a sulfuric smell. Yuck. But the stink bugs flourished in Pennsylvania and very quickly over the course of just a half a dozen years were discovered throughout the East, New Jersey, Virginia. They spread rapidly. And because they are aggregating bugs, right, they group together. But also in North America, it's kind of an ideal climate for them. And in the states with kind of long, prolonged summers and warm temperatures like Virginia, the bugs can have multiple generations in one season. We were arguing about what a generation is. That's right. Apparently and it's different for, you know, for a marmorated stink bug, it's just a couple of months. Uh, a couple of months. And in the really warm climates down in Arizona and so forth, they have uh, been shown to have a, as many as five generations in the course of a year, which really enables populations to explode. I am against two months olds having sex and babies. Here, here, my friend. I just think they're too young. They uh, stink bugs go through five stages of molt before they become fully adult, and those stages of molt, it's like they happen a week at a time. This seems like some Jack Daniels ad. Every batch goes through these five <laughs> steps. First, we put the larva in our crates. Yep. Now it's a dry county here. We don't actually eat the stink bugs. But well, we send them your way. Are you saying it's five stages before they get to be adults? Before they get to be adults. And stink bugs, like bugs, in their adult stage, they have wings and fly. Mm, so That explains why it was outside my 10th floor hotel room. Yeah, they're not great flyers, but they are competent flyers. The thing about marmorated stink bugs is that they prefer altitude. They're not ground bugs. They like to be high up. So hmm. the fact that it was on the 10th floor of your hotel is... Uh, indicative of it. And they've done studies where marmorated stink bugs had infested a dorm, for instance, in a college. And there were almost no stink bugs on the ground floor. But 10, 15 stories up, there were uh, stink bugs everywhere. They'll keep, they'll go into the attic of your house, but not go into the basement of your house. And I like that. I like that they're targeting the rich. Yeah, they like to be up high. Penthouses only. And th so we've gotten now to one of the reasons that marmorated stink bugs are such a plague in the United States, which is not just that they eat all of the crops. Which is, yeah, that's that's a pretty good plague, right? A, that's a classic cl plague. Super plague. Bugs eating crops is like maybe the number one plague there is. Well, what's funny about the classic plagues is that the plagues come in stages, right? There's the locusts and then there's the rats and, you know, there's the frogs that fall from the sky. But the marmorated stink bug kind of covers all <laughs> the ground. It... It does all of the eating of the different foods. Uh, they do fall from the sky because they're flying bugs, but they overwinter in people's houses, oh. just like rats. That's not what you want. Marmorated stink bugs. 
I mean, I would choose a stink bug over a rat. Don't get me wrong. Even if they were both equally marmorated. Yes, but would you choose 30,000 stink bugs over a rat? Wait, you can get 30,000 stink bugs in your house? So because they like to be together and they prefer to spend the winter in a warm environment rather than a cold one, they can survive outside. But if there's a warm house and they can get in and they can get in because they can get in tiny little cracks, they prefer to come inside. And when marmorated stink bugs first exploded on the East Coast, their populations exploded. They don't individually explode. Their popularity explodes. <laughs> they're, they're, I saw them on Carson right. Daly's, uh, what was that show? The Times Square MTV countdown show. Did you see marmorated stink bugs descend on Carson Daly? <laughs> yeah. And carry him away? It Is was, that why we don't see him anymore? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Total request live. I don't know why it took me so long to think of that. So marmorated stink bugs will infest a home or any structure to such a degree that they're crawling on the walls like five deep. Uh, uh, there's a, there was a famous New Yorker article written by my friend Catherine Schultz, actually, about a woman in Virginia who left her upstairs window open and felt a draft and was like, oh, I left that window open. I should go upstairs and close it. And she went upstairs and her walls were teeming with marmorated stink bugs. Just they came in one window. They, because one of them was like, hey, you guys, over here. It's really cool here. And they it's came like in. When, it's like when hipsters discover a, a marginalized neighborhood. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, you guys, rent is so cheap here. And, you know, and then brew pubs are everywhere. Yoga uh, studios. Ugh. What should you take, 30,000 millennial hipsters in your neighborhood or 30,000 stink thing, bugs in your house? I don't even need to hear. <laughs> I don't care what the other thing is. And marmorated stink bugs prefer to go into kind of uh, enclosed spaces. They like to, they, they're sort of like uh, people with anxiety that like a weighted blanket. Marmorated stink bugs will go behind your paintings. They'll go into your curtains. If you have a blanket folded on a bench, you may open the blanket and find it's full of marmorated stink bugs. So what this means is that you, it's not just a, um, a one-time event if you find stink bugs in your house. If they get in, they're a little grenade of fun where you're just going to be finding stink bugs for the rest of your life. Typically, if you find a marmorated stink bug, it's just the tip of the iceberg. And, and because they leave this pheromonal scent, which lasts and lasts, so it will continue to attract marmorated stink bugs, even if somehow you manage to eradicate them. The good thing about marmorated stink bugs, if, I'm excited to hear the good thing, if such a thing can be said, is that they don't actually breed in your home. Unlike cockroaches, if you have marmorated stink bugs in your house, it's just that they're there for the winter. They lay their eggs outside. So in the spring, the marmorated stink bugs will all sort of wake up from their weird bug hibernation and head back out through the same cracks they came in and go out to the garden and eat your vegetables <laughs> and have babies. So the ones that are here, are the ones in your home are just, it's just an Airbnb to them. You know, when I first met Mindy, the woman who is now my wife, she Your was darling Mindy. She was now living. Yeah, my darling Mindy, as I always call her. Yes, you do. It's weird. My darling Mindy. <laughs> Dearest Henrietta. <laughs> uh, she was living in a house like across the street from me that she and all her roommates called the bug house. Okay. Not because. I didn't realize Mindy had lived this dangerous prior life. Not because they were insane, the, although some of them probably the are. Bug house. They lived near uh, box elder trees, which contained their own species of stink bug. Uh -huh. 
which, you know, lives in the host tree and loves the host tree. But when it gets cold, they'll be like, what's warmer than this box elder tree? Right. And that's when they'll just go inside. Inside a house full of girls at BYU. Full of college girls having pillow, sexy pillow fights. <laughs> and suddenly the pillow's crawling with the box elder books. But they literally would just find... You know, you could not put on an article of clothing without shaking out the box elder bugs right. on it. And I think uh, our friend Chris Ann woke up with a box elder bug just walking across her face. Oh, that's fun. Um, so she has lived in the Valley of the Stink Bugs. Yeah, Adam, at BYU, you wouldn't have keggers at a group house. So what was the primary activity? Was it sexy pillow fights? Like chased no. pillow fights? Sexy in... pillow fights are worse than keggers. Really? Are you oh, kidding? sure. I guess, I guess that's true. What's scarier, beer or female sexuality <laughs> to a religious person? So is it just ping pong? Like ping pong in, in sweats? Or like what is the... What's the hot thing? Why would you go over to her house just to see the bugs? Yeah. Just to just, collect them for to, your own? To, to pet the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> we would, let's see. Did we ever play Mario Kart there? There was a lot of who has which video game right, platform. Mario Kart. A lot of board games. Um, <laughs> sure, Settlers of Catan. book club, murder mystery uh -huh. parties. And then you lean over at one point and say, will you marry me? All these things you can use to sublimate sex with. Like, right. like Settlers of Catan, obviously. Right. That's, what's better than sex? Hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> German board games. <laughs> German board games, which is just what our marriage is going to be like. So she... Just um, like playing Risk. What is, it, Settlers of Catan is like a marriage. You yeah. all have different resources. Yeah. You need to trade if you, you want to build. Trade. You can conquer. Is you that, can, can you conquer is in Settlers how, of Catan? Is that how you're, are you conquering other marriages? Is that, oh, is well, that what you're picturing? Interesting. She could not get them to fumigate the house because, you know, they're uh, college landlords. Right. They don't care. They're well, evil. And, and the problem with fumigating is the problem of pesticides in general, which is that they're poisonous and bad for us as well. And marmorated stink bugs, I think, are very resistant. They are resistant to pesticides. And one of the really devastating things about them is that as farmers tried to reckon with these infestations of marmorated stink bugs, after decades and decades of trying to eliminate pesticides from American farming, the farmers were desperate for a solution and started resorting to pesticides again, pesticides that they'd foregone for a long time. But were not illegal for some reason? It was just... Uh, it wasn't... A, yeah, it was more a, more a concentrated effort on the part of American... Uh, farmers of good conscience. Well, and, and or, you know, organic farming as a methodology you know, was demonstrated over time. If you found natural solutions to insect infestations, you could sell your crops for more. It was, it ended, you ended up actually having your field be more productive. But trying to kill marmorated stink bugs, good luck. Uh, what they have found is that marmorated stink bugs prefer to feed on the outside, out, outskirts of a field of crops. They wouldn't penetrate to the interior for They're some They're lazy. They're lazy. As soon as they find something they can eat, they're like, eh, this is good. Like I've, I've, I've walked through my kitchen and just grabbed the first thing. Sure. You just eat the outside of the pie and leave the, <laughs> leave, leave the delicious inside unmolested. Just eat the bag of Cheetos, but not the actual Cheetos. Hmm. Um, so they, they learned that they could conserve pesticide use by just using pesticide on the outside of the, um. Like a moat. Uh, like a moat outside. And that would somewhat mitigate the... Would it ameliorate it? It would not ameliorate it, not entirely. It would just mitigate it. It would just mitigate it. Mm -hmm. But every attempt to eliminate marmorated stink bugs with pesticide has failed. And so scientists, thank goodness for scientists, started to explore the idea, and here's where thank goodness for scientists immediately flips over to, <laughs> oh dear, scientists again, <laughs> 
they started to explore the possibility of introducing the samurai wasp, Japonicus, into the United States because Japonicus was the thing that kept stink bugs down in Asia. Japonicus sounds like a Godzilla movie villain. It does. Godzilla versus Japonicus. <laughs> <laughs> and the, then the hope was that Japonicus would be the Godzilla to uh, the stink bugs Mothra. And how's that working in well, our so, new Japonicized America? So they were worried because scientists have typically had a bad history of introducing like animal control agents in the form of other animals. I think we talked about this on the starlings entry. You know, if Australia brings in toads to eat the whatever, then the toads turn out to be worse than the Right. Cane the toads were introduced to Australia in 1935 to control cane beetles. And then it wasn't that the toads ate other animals. It was just that other animals ate the toads. Which happened, got high. Well, the toads got super high. It, they weren't that kind of toad. They got wallabies out there licking They're toads and putting toads. them back in their pouches. Yeah. No, they were poisonous toads, and they killed a lot of oh. uh, a lot of larger beasts. You got to look up the food chain, right. too. Nobody expected uh, the, both the Spanish Inquisition and the poisonous cane toad. Most famously, in the 1880s, mongooses or mongeese were released in Polynesia or in Hawaii to combat the rat infestation. And then mongooses killed everything, ate all the bird eggs. Took and, over the island, put all the humans on rafts and sent them offshore. Yeah. Created and a mongoose king. Didn't really kill all the rats. So then you had rats and mongooses. So that was, that's an example of a bad uh, introduction of a friend. It's risky. Um, there, there have been good examples. There was a, an infestation in Africa of the, cassava mealybug, which was killing all the cassava roots. Super important starts to them, right? That's like a staple of African diet. That's right. Uh, millions of people depended on the cassava. And so a scientist by the name of Hans Heron introduced a South American parasitic wasp, which eliminated or rather controlled the, Ima the Imagine mealybug. this German guy with his briefcase full of wasps, yeah. which... Which one which, shall I introduce? Which wasp? Ah, it's this South American one. <laughs> and that was a that was a very successful instance of a wasp solving a bug problem. And Hans Heron actually won the World Food Prize because it was spec. It was, I guess, the speculation was he had saved twenty million lives Jeez. by introducing this wasp and saving the cassava. That is uh, crazy that you can save 20 million lives. Right. You know? By like, just eliminating an insect infestation. Like if I saved one kid from a, you know, pulled him off of a burning school bus, I oh, would feel like a huge hero. They'd and, put you on the news. And yet, like that's nothing to Hans Heron. Right. Hans Heron can retire uh, to his little uh, Berktus garden. That's probably not where he's <laughs> going to retire. Like if Hans Heron sees that kid in a burning school bus or he can go like release more wasps, he should release the wasp. Sure, it's the trolley problem, except Hans Heron's got <laughs> with, it figured out. <laughs> the trolley problem with more cassava roots. <laughs> Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. 
Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com slash start uh like one of the problems that um that stink bugs have created in california because they've They've now made it all the way across the United States. Do we have them here? And we watched them troop across the United States. They now infest 40 American states, including Washington. And I have stink bugs. I saw one walking behind your head here in the bunker last week when we were talking about whatever we were talking about last week. And I didn't say anything because we're in the middle of the show and I'm not going to be like, Hey dude, look, it's a stink bug. Hey dude, there's a bug. But it started out right there behind your head and it wound up over there by the mirror. I've lived in this house 11 years and I never saw a stink bug until about three years ago. And I saw the first one and it looked like a weird little bug that I'd never seen before. And it was inside the house. I was like, how did you get in here? The funny thing about them is they're very slow moving. They're not like skittering bugs. They just kind of. But you have no recourse against them because you can't, if you swat it, it'll stink like a stink bug. That's right. And I didn't, my instinct is never to swat a bug. Uh, for a while, I picked them up and put them outside because I was like, what are you doing? Guy, get out of here. You don't belong in here. Uh, probably what he did was turn around, he or she turned around and came right back in. With 20 friends. But um, after I learned what it was, a marmorated stink bug, I started gathering them up and uh, throwing them in the toilet. But what I discovered then was that marmorated stink bugs, because I, you know, I didn't flush it. Even though if it's brown, you flush it down and the marmorated stink bugs are brown. <laughs> if it's marmorator, see you later. <laughs> I didn't flush them. And marmorated stink bugs do not drown. Whoa. Very easily. They're, they can just do the little stink bug paddle until they can get out. So I did the thing where I put the marmorated stink bug in the toilet and I covered it with a piece of toilet paper in order to like hold it down underwater until it drowned, but you could see it under the toilet paper, slowly make its way, swim over to the side. And if you left it in there long enough, it would find some purchase on the side of the toilet and climb out. Uh, So when I see marmorated stink bugs, I try to. Yeah. What's your fourth thing? What do you do now? So I try to find as many of them. When I see one, I go, okay, uh, stink bug hunt. And I spend. Do you have a big triangle in your house where you go ding, 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 (laughs) Battle stations. I, uh, I run around the house and I look at all the places where a stink bug might be. And generally I find a few, a handful. Think like a stink bug. I have never had, uh, I do not have an infestation where 30,000 stink bugs arrive, but this is, it's been described that this is sort of how the process begins. At first you see a few, and then the next year you see a couple more. I'm now vigilant about gathering them together. And when I get a little toilet full, by which I mean enough to justify flushing the toilet. And then you explain to them what they've done wrong. I'm like, listen, you guys, this is not personal, but I do not want you. This is not working out. It's not that I don't want you in my house. I do not want you at all. I do not want you, bug I am. I then send them down the pipe. And I may just be 
sending the problem on to the Seattle waste control management people, the water treatment people, because those stink bugs may survive the whole trip. Who knows? I don't know that that much about how much they can survive, like the long, long journey from here to the waste treatment plant. Somewhere at some water purification plant right now, some guy is watching another set of stink bugs come down yeah, that and pipe. Like, and he's like, ugh. Damn it. Well, I've outed myself now. Um, this pestilence of stink bugs is now costing the U.S. agriculture sector billions of dollars in damaged fruit. Fruit that has been stink bugged cannot be sold as fresh fruit. It's too damaged. And if you take an apple and sell it as a fresh apple, you get a lot more money for it than a juicing apple. You can juice stink bug apples. That's what they do. They just become They turn juice. them into juice. So every, What about fruit roll-ups? Can you make them into fruit roll-ups? That's what I would do. Hmm, interesting. I think, I mean, it's pretty disgusting to imagine that all of the apple juice and fruit roll-ups you're eating have already been tongued by innumerable stink That's bugs. That's what I'm going to be thinking now every time I have fruit juice. Stink bugs infest wine grapes uh, to such a degree that when you, because you pull the grapes off and crush them to make wine, mm -hmm. you don't paw through them. To see which ones have been proboscisized. And unfortunately, the stink chemical in stink bugs is so strong that it doesn't take many in a group of grapes to change the flavor of the wine and introduce a kind of... <sighs> Stink. So, those, so when people are sitting at those things and they're yeah, notes of swirling their and wine, chocolate and hmm, stink bug. There's something marmorated in yeah. here. So there was a lot of interest scientifically in trying to introduce this Japonicus wasp, but because we're careful about that now, university spent a lot of time figuring out if Japonicus was going to be an environmental problem to other bugs. And, and have a worse effect on the ecosystem. Now, it was through that process discovered that Japonicus actually really prefers stink bugs. Nice. So they will colonize other bugs. Because samurais do have a code of honor. They do. And so do samurai wasps. And apparently. samurai wasps are like, no, 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 no. Stink bug eggs. Those are the good ones. Like your other little, you know, your American eggs. Mm. Not You wash your American eggs and these eggs are like in their natural form. It's racism paying off. And so they were very close to starting to consider really introducing artificial communities of Japonicus. But then, lo and behold, it was discovered that Japonicus themselves had hitched a ride on some packing containers, presumably inside the eggs of marmorated stink bugs. Like while we were studying them, they were already here. And so they were discovered in the United States and people were like, wait a minute, what's this wasp? oh, it's the Japonicus and it's here already. But the universities who were studying them still didn't have FDA approval to like <laughs> release their populations of, so they're beginning to now. Um, they're beginning to release Japonicus. There are other parasitic wasps native to the United States that are also discovering the eggs of marmorated stink bugs. So it's like me trying to teach my kids to eat a new food. That's right. They're like, hmm, what's this over here? Hmm. Never eaten one of these. This is not a vegan chicken nugget. This is some other. Oh, yeah, this works for me. But the best bug, the best bug-killing bug is a native bug called the wheel bug. Wheel bug. 
the wheel bug is a top bug predator. He's like a top of the food chain style predator bug. He's an extremely large bug. And unlike a parasitic wasp, the wheel bug actually feeds on the marmorated stink bug itself. Not on the eggs. The wheel bug. Is it big enough? The wheel bug is very big and it penetrates the marm. So a marmorated stink bug gets to be about the size of a dime. A wheel bug is the size of a Buick, <laughs> the size of a rhinoceros uh, beetle. No, it's the size of a, a grasshopper or a cricket or smaller, I guess, but still like quite large. And it's a shy bug. So although they're around, you don't see them. They're called a wheel bug because they have a kind of on their backs. They have this. I guess, tusk or some formation. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture. They have like a crest. Yeah, it looks like a gear. It has sort of... Yeah, it's like a Venus flytrap's about to snap. Yeah, half of a gear. And the wheel bug will penetrate the marmorated stink bug itself and use its saliva to liquid... It's like a spider. Liquefy the bug inside of its carapace and then suck out its precious bodily fluids. That just seems very labor intensive. I mean, if I've got 30,000 marmorated stink bugs in my bedroom, I don't have time no. to let a wheel bug liquefy them all. No, it's true. Uh, wheel bugs are not going to solve the marmorated stink bug problem. I have never had a problem that could be completely solved by wheel bugs. Right. Also, birds and other predator, other bug-eating predators. They don't mind the stink? The stink doesn't always work? Uh, nope, they don't mind it. I mean, I think if you gobble up a stink bug Fast enough, maybe the stink doesn't affect you. It's going to be your dumber birds, your seagulls and whatnot. It's not a poison. <laughs> that was kind of a diss on seabirds. Well, you know, I the, wonder. You, you just always see videos of them like eating uh, firecrackers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> eating the wrapper a burger came in because it smells a little like burger still. Uh, so the marmorated stink bugs infestation of the East Coast actually gradually abated. Is that because uh, stuff started to work or be just because they moved west? Unclear. It wasn't because they moved west. Their westward migration was a completely separate group of They've of got marmorated new eggs bugs. for that. It was speculated maybe that they couldn't survive uh, the cold winters and there was a especially cold spell in there that, that may have like cut the population to such a degree that, the, that these days uh, where 30,000 stink bugs would be inside your outhouse was ameliorated. Uh, but also uh, the speculation is that the growth of this wasp population, the discovery of stink bug eggs by other parasitic animals, the wheel bug, the birds, they were all adjusting themselves to this new food source and gradually are working toward a kind of animal stasis. Or uh, It's like the opposite of that, uh, that uh, uh, life finds a way thing from Jurassic Park. Right. It's like death finds a way. And that concludes Marmorated Stink Bugs, entry 761.LV1120, certificate number 30979, in the omnibus. Speaking of nuisance swarms. Yes, nuisance swarms. With their aggregation uh, pheromones, social media, (laughs) stay far away. But I, I follow the sweet, sweet pheromones of Twitter right, in, right up into my death. I'm like, do I smell content? 
<laughs> Let me swarm into the attic of this great content. It's too late for John and me. Our brains have already been broken. You stay away. But we were, for your information, John Roderick on Twitter and Instagram, at Ken Jennings on Twitter and not really Instagram. No, but Twitter for shizzle. For twizzle. For twizzle. Uh, and at Omnibus Project on all of the above. Right. We uh, have a, had a Facebook. We have a, had a Facebook. <laughs> we both have, and to you had, right. a Facebook fan group known as the Futurelings, who, let me... Oh, they also aggregate. <laughs> they do. Let's look down in the Petri dish. They're also slow Right moving. now. <laughs> let's look in the Petri dish right now and see what's going on. They are... What are they talking about? They're showing pictures of bobbing frapples. Oh, right. We talked about bobbing for apples. Their contention is that there's more apple bobbing going on in our day than, than we allowed for. You and I thought that apple bobbing was, was a done deal, but um, a lot of them are in the mid the mid, middle states, and they're saying, no, this is still a wholesome activity that we do. There was coastal apple, apple bobbing in my neighborhood as recently as uh, a couple of years ago. My neighbor reminded me. We went over to her house for a Halloween party, and, she, and somebody said, oh, you don't have that bobbing for apples this year. And, I, and I realized that people were bobbing for apples just a few feet from my fence, and yet you forgot it and thought that it was a that it was a dead art. I, I'm I'm kind of upset that they are bobbing for apples in my neighborhood without my permission. I remember just just a couple of days ago, I said to my daughter, "Do you remember the last time we had candied apples?" And she did because she has a very good memory for the last time we had candied anything. I was somewhere where they had the fancy candied apples, where they're all covered with oh M and M's or yeah. I don't know. There's you know, there's thirty different kinds. Right. Coconut in the shape of a, I don't know what. I know you don't want that one. No, I don't. Um, and my kids really wanted, really wanted them. And I said, no, you're not going to want this. It's delicious on the outside, but then you've just got a skinless apple that no one wants. Skinless apple? Well, you've eaten because the skin sticks to the good stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. You, you just get a... Well, what if the apples were polluted by marmorated stink bugs? Then you're really going to be sorry. That's what they should use them for. They should take all the mealy apples that no one's going to eat the middle of anyway... And make them into candy apples where kids just eat the outside and toss them. I always eat the entire apple because I feel guilty. I feel <laughs> guilty. You don't just get the, you know, if you're going to eat the sweet, you got to deal with the mealy middle. That's my approach to life. Yeah. Me well, you mealy gotta, middle, right? <laughs> I'm in the mealy middle right now. <laughs> and the mealy middle is better than whatever comes after. I've just got core mm. and seeds ahead of me. Uh, future links. Oh, email. People would email us various thoughts at omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. We would respond politely but coldly. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to encourage too much fraternization. We're never like, LOL. And, you know, it doesn't start a chain of, of friendship generally. No, I mean, you can come on the porch, ring the doorbell. We'll talk to you politely about your religion, but then we move will, you along. We will not invite you we in. Don't, you don't come in and sit down and get tea. You don't get to bob for apples. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Some of the, some of the best ones, maybe. Uh, if you want to send us something non, you know, non-virtual, you can send us information. You can send us content mm -hmm. in an email. But if you want to send John his Ray-Ban sunglasses. Or belt buckles. If you have cool old belt buckles or Ray-Ban sunglasses. Ba Bausch & Lomb, any Bausch & Lomb product. Or American Optical, actually. I'll, t I'll, I'll consider every kind of glasses frame. I'm trying to think what I want. What I'm, do you want? I'm like the kid on Santa's lap and I'm freaking out. Settlers of Catan. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any like uh, vintage 80s copies of uh, Spy Magazine or, <laughs> oh, that's right. you or, do want that. or Jughead Double Digest. Right. If you have the complete McSweeney's. That's right. Ken will take all the, episode, all the issues he doesn't currently have. How many McSweeney's are you missing? 
I don't actually have that many. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the Do same Do you have a shelf? Me. No, I have five or six. I feel terrible because when McSweeney's first came out, I was working at the newsstand. I read the entire first issue, but I didn't buy it. I just put it back on the shelf and was like, then that's who, the privileges of the industry, that's man. That's right. Whatever customer comes along, they're going to see my grubby fingerprints on that extra, one. extra John kills print. But I could have, I could have bought the first 20 issues of McSweeney's, you know, at a, at a significant discount. Is there a, a collector's premium now? Are there they rare? Is. The first episode, the first issue of McSweeney's is, uh, I think would set you back. I just found uh, the other night I was looking through, I have a, I have a bunch of issues of this uh, old indie comic called Palookaville by the Canadian cartoonist Seth. I know it well. Love Seth, love his work, love his weird hat-wearing ethos. Mm-hmm. It turns out some of these, the first issues are no great, what's the expression? Shakes. Right, no, no great, great shakes, shakes, as we say. But the last issues, there were very few of them, and like they're all worth like $100 or more. Really? And I just have them sitting in my office, so now people can break in. Yeah, break into Ken's house. Steal my weird (laughs) old-timey Canadian comics. (laughs) If you write to John, he'll send you my address. You can send us uh, at our uh, items at our non-street address, which is Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, when you could still actually buy the first McSweeney's for, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, I'm sure that uh, you're laughing wry laughs because the first issue of McSweeney's is there's only one left and it's in a glass case at your own muse- your own Library of Congress. Yeah, think of what's going to happen to all paper goods. Every yeah. comic is going to be as rare as uh, Action Comics number one. It's their uh, Gutenberg Bible, right? There, there will only be a couple at, at the Yale University Library. Punisher War Journal number 28 is their Gutenberg Bible. It's all they have of our time. They think we're jerks. They do think we're jerks for more reasons than that. Uh, We have no idea how long our civilization survived, but we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. And it may come on the backs of marmorated stink bugs. On the the marmorated backs of these little adversaries. Or maybe the wheel bugs will eat so many marmorated stink bugs that they will grow in size to become the six foot tall bugs. You know, a, a, a wheel bug, if you agitate it, will actually bite a human being. It doesn't want to. It's kind of like any stinging bug that's like, I'm the same way. Leave me away. I don't want to bite anybody, but if you shake me enough, I might. Yeah. Well, and you'll release your disgusting pheromone. Well, if a wheel bug eats enough marmorated stink bugs, it's going to have stink bug breath. You're going to have six foot wheel bug monsters wandering through suburbia going. (sighs) (laughs) If a wheel bug meets a stink bug coming through the rye, I think if you dissolve a stink bug from the inside, maybe you don't smell like cilantro slash it's uh, like a, mill. Yeah, it's like um, defusing a bomb. The wheel bug's like, oh, the red wire, the blue wire, the red wire, the blue wire. <laughs> and then Brad Pitt shows up and punches them. Uh, if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.